Welcome, everybody, to the Michigan Makers Podcast with your host, Leanne, founder and CEO of Ash Media, where we interview Michigan's top entrepreneurs, investors, makers, movers, and shakers, and dive deep into why the comeback of Michigan's economy is inevitable. Now, before we get into today's guest, I wanted to take this opportunity to highlight one of Michigan's premier events around entrepreneurship, Detroit Startup Week. Startup Week is a free five-day celebration of entrepreneurship in the Detroit community. And even though Detroit is in the name, everyone in our community is welcome to attend, volunteer, and even speak. That's right, even us in Ann Arbor, Lansing, Grand Rapids, Muskegon, you name it. Our goal with Startup Week is to provide as much value as possible to the entrepreneurs in our ecosystem. And seeing as our mission is to create a narrative around Michigan entrepreneurship, it just makes sense to work together. So folks, we implore you to set aside the dates of June 18 through the 22nd for a week full of impact. Now, if you can't make it out to the whole week, no problem. We'd love to see you come out for even an hour of your time. If you want more information, check out the link in the show notes below. Now, folks, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome my guest to the show today. He's a serial entrepreneur, having started his first company at the ripe age of 14 years old, having run it during his high school and college years with his brother before eventually selling it to a competitor. A Michigan State alum who got his professional start post-graduation at IBM in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., he felt the call to move back to Michigan and start a tech company of his own. With his brother Andrew, he started Chalkfly, an e-commerce platform for janitorial and office supplies. After selling the company in 2014, he worked at Detroit-based Ambassador before heading back to the entrepreneur life to start Repurpose, where he wants to create a world where everyone pursues their passions and is part of something greater than themselves. Now, everyone give a warm, Welcome to Ryan Landau. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Excited, uh, excited to be here. Yeah. So I wanted to just get started by you know allowing you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, who is Ryan Landau? Cool. Uh, well, good, good question to kick it off. Uh, my, my name is uh, Ryan Landau, the founder of uh, Repurpose. And before we you know, get into what Repurpose does and kind of obviously uh, what this discussion is going to be today. Uh, so originally, you know, f- from Michigan, went to Michigan State University. Then when I, I graduated a, a little bit ago, um, the first initial thought that I had was like, how do I move out of Michigan? How do I move out of Detroit? There's there's nothing here. And this was about, uh, well, almost 10 years ago uh, because there was nothing going on. And so lived in D.C., was a consultant there for a while. That was kind of the typical job what a lot of my friends were doing. Lived in a 10-person house in D.C., had a blast, did consulting. 
then about, I want to say, six or seven years ago, heard about kind of this movement that was happening in Detroit, had the opportunity to meet the folks at, you know, Detroit Venture Partners, ended up starting up a company called uh, Chalkfly, which uh, I want to think about maybe how many years, uh, about four years after we launched, ended up selling that company. And now, uh, you know, kind of here, you know, doing the, the repurpose thing. And so repurpose is uh, an online uh, recruiting platform. So kind of from my experience at you know, Chalkfly and other experiences, you know, there's hiring platforms out there like the Indeeds and Monsters of the World, and then there's individual headhunters. Um, for me, it was like, right, how can you build a platform that's super curated, cuts out all the noise of those crazy um, platforms and really help um, some curated individuals, some amazing individuals and some amazing companies um, connect with, you know, startups. And so that's, um, that's essentially what we're doing. And we're based downtown at WeWork. I wanted to mention, so you started your first company at the age of 14. Uh, do you think entrepreneurship can be taught or is it more like of a natural thing? Good question. Um, well, that's some good research that <laughs> that, that learn about. Uh, so yeah, a long time ago, I started a, uh, a concession equipment where we did cotton candy and snow cones uh, for just barn by mitzvahs, birthday parties, retirements. And so your question, can it be taught or is it natural? To, to me, being a business owner is like anything like playing a sport or playing the guitar. Uh, it just takes practice. And so do I think I was naturally good at it when I started? No. Do I think I'm good at it now? No. Um, but what I do focus on is uh, really trying to just to get better and practice and practice. And so I, I think it's hard to be diligent about getting out of the day-to-day -day kind of you know work and practicing on your skills but i i definitely think about it and try to set some you know kind of personal goals for myself each year what was the most expensive mistake you've ever made Ooh, expensive mistake i've ever made it's a good question so i think i've made a lot of mistakes so i think the two ones that i've made the most and that have been expensive is one under the umbrella of like focus and two would be regarding our customers and maybe even focus around customers. So I think in the general startup world, there's this notion to like raise a lot of money and like acquire as many customers as you can as fast as possible. And so I think initially kind of starting up a first couple companies, that was my thought too, like raise money and bring on as many customers as possible. I'm taking a, the other side of the approach now where I'm, you know, we, we've raised a very tiny bit of money um, and, and there's challenges to that. And we're really focused on like one customer at a time. So making sure that we're building a product that people are willing to pay for. And I know that sounds like super simple, but I think a lot of times people put products out in the market that like um, you might think it's a good idea in your own head, but like the only person that actually makes a difference is your customers and are your customers willing to pay for it. So I think it, I've made the mistake of raising too much money, um, trying to acquire a ton of consumers uh, or, or users or whatever the business is, and then have lost them because I, I was focused on like the masses opposed to focusing on like one at a time. And so that's a lesson that I think I've screwed up a hundred times, and but I'm really trying to stay focused on you know one customer at a time and building a product that there's like true value to. You guys just recently raised a seed fund of 125k. Is that yep. correct? Yeah. And so, how do you think the approach is kind of like you mentioned the approach now versus your last startup, Chalkfly, where you know you raised a bunch of money and then this time 
you're taking your learnings and, and kind of starting slower. What do you think it really is that is the driving force behind that change? Yeah, so I, I think uh, let's just uh, the business of Chalkfly, which was a, an office supply company, um, e-commerce trying to be like the Zappos of, of office supplies, and now we're in the recruiting space. The two fundamentally different businesses. One in the e-commerce game and focusing on office supplies, so that's Chalkfly. Um, it's really to be successful there, you need to raise a lot of money and you need to have a lot of volume because it's such a low margin business. And so you had to do that and there's really only two outcomes is either you bust um, or you get acquired. So that's that's that. And now we're focused and this has kind of been the transition as as I was thinking about, hey, what's the next business that I was gonna get into? I didn't wanna really be reliant on like investors or anyone else besides myself and, and our team and so uh, there's a lot of reasons we got into the recruiting space, but one of the nice things about the recruiting space is there's it's an extremely high margin business. We won't have the same volume as or the same revenue as we did at Chalkfly, but we will have way higher gross margins and, and net profits in in this business. Um, so it's uh, it's it's a lesson that. You know, for, for me, it was just like, hey, we, we did this once and now let's try a, a different kind of business where we're really just reliant on ourselves. And that's really what I'm focusing on now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read somewhere that for 2017, you guys were actually profitable already. Is that correct? So, yeah, that, that's correct. And, you know, it, it's funny that we like put out the news about raising, raising money. Um, and so we raised money. That money is in our bank. We, we haven't touched it yet. To, to be completely honest, I actually didn't want to put that news out at all because I think, uh, again, there's a general notion in the startup world is like there's two vanity numbers that I hear all the time about like how much money have you raised and how many employees do you have? And so I hear that a lot. We're trying to stay away from that. You're probably asking, so why did you end up putting it out? Uh, we ended up putting it out in January because January is a really big month for uh, people for looking for new jobs. And so for us, it was just one of the channels for us to acquire, you know, kind of new users to find out about repurpose. And so we, we raised some money as like kind of like a safety blanket, but um, we, we might raise some more in the future, but that's not the strategy. We are just trying to follow simple economics about, you know, keeping our revenue higher. Um, that, than our cost. But again, like our, our business probably won't be the next Instagram either, but um, we're, we're kind of just trying to play the odds and we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So what do you think attracts, you know, the expats of Michigan back to Michigan? You know, the, the ones who have a tie to Michigan, either they, you know, went to high school and then went out of state for college or came up through, you know, a, a large university like uh, Michigan or State. Uh, what do you think attracts them back here? Yeah, so I think it's a couple things. So one, I think people initially like hear kind of about this Detroit thing that's going on. It's hard to put your finger on it. And so people are always interested in just like researching. But then I think what usually, um, you know, kind of moves the needle to moving here, I think it's a couple things. One, right, they got to get a job that's paying them well. Um, so that's part one. And then two, uh, and, and three is either they have, you know, kind of a family um, or a friend connection there. And so recently through our platform, some people recently just moved from San Francisco. They moved away for 10 years. They wanted to come back to family. They just had their first kid. Um, and so that kind of young professional, young family, we, we see a lot of that happening now. And I think the reason why maybe that didn't happen five years ago is there just wasn't the job opportunity. I think people want to be here, but they need to obviously um, have a good paying job that, you know, that they're comfortable moving home for. And so 
there wasn't that and now now that there is um, and so we're, we're really just trying to help make connections for hey if you're looking for a job um, we can help you in the startup scene or if you're an employer looking for awesome talent we, we can also help you on that yeah and so I'd like to circle back a little bit and talk more about your process becoming an entrepreneur. Like we mentioned before, you started your first company at age 14, and then you ended up working for a big company and then came back to start Chalkfly. So talk a little bit about the process that you went through and I guess a few key learnings. Yeah, yeah. so I think the, the interesting part what you just touched on is I've gone kind of the entrepreneurial route and the big company route. So right now, and, and then we can work backwards. Right now I'm doing something entrepreneurial, started my own company, kind of uh, bootstrapping, have raised a little bit of money, really just kind of leaning in and investing kind of all, all the money into the business instead of myself. And so doing an entrepreneur thing now, but I also think it's important um, to also take like a break. And so when I think about like what's next, like first, my only intention is to, you know, keep on growing, repurpose and, and doing that. Do I think I'll be doing repurpose for the rest of my life? Probably not. But do I see myself doing it for a while? Yes. Um, I, I don't necessarily think my next thing is going to be like, oh, okay, let's go start another company again. Like I'm not opposed to going and working at a bigger company. Um, I'm always thinking about where can I go next and can I learn something different than I have today? And so I think, you know, it's funny, sometimes you get called like a serial entrepreneur. I don't know what that means. I mean, I, I get the general understanding, but like, I don't know. I, I think it's okay for... Um, whatever type of person you are to take a break from that skill set or like or rest um, you know life is like a marathon and so like I'm doing it I'm in it I'm running 100 miles an hour right now but what what I do next could potentially be like a bigger company and so that that's something that I've learned is it doesn't always need to be just like one path and and keep on grinding like it's okay to take a break it's okay to learn from different industries um, not only just okay I actually take back what I said it, it's actually advised um, and so I think there's a ton to learn from different industries and different people. And so um, th that's at least what I'm thinking about. Yeah. And so you touched on something that I think is really imperative for entrepreneurs, which is basically just always learn, you know, always look for an opportunity to learn, whether it's at your own startup or even a big company. And so I'd like for you to kind of pinpoint one major learning from each different part of your life. So the company you started at the age of 14, Chalkfly, and then also, you know, when you worked as a consultant and even now with Repurpose. Yep. <laughs> this is good. I, I haven't even thought back to some of these things. Um, let's go with Carnival Extravaganza. This was, again, a, a non-tech company. This was uh, <laughs> Cotton Candy and Snow Cone. My number one, when I like sit here and think about it and thinking back two past decades, I the only thing that I actually really recall from that experience is, well, there's a lot actually, but the thing that just came to my head is that it was just a ton of fun. So like, I think you got to do something that you're going to have fun at. And if you're not having fun at what you're doing at work, like, um, stop taking yourself so seriously and just like enjoy work and enjoy life. And so that, that's, I think from an early age, I've always tried to find things that like I've enjoyed. And so, um, it hasn't always been one industry. I was freaking moving my hand around a cotton candy machine, making cotton candy and getting it all over myself. But I was, I was enjoying myself. So that's one. Then I guess my next professional path was at IBM. I think of that experience, I enjoyed it for a really weird reason. And that was, I learned a ton about what I didn't want to do. And so 
I liked the experience because it gave me some perspective of, okay, I don't want to work at a 500,000 person company. Um, okay. I don't want to be a serial number, like a computer, um, which you are when you work for a company that big. So I think my, my lesson learned there was, was just a ton about what I didn't want to do. Then I think Chalkfly. And I think the thing that I learned at Chalkfly the most was about team building and culture building and, and building a team uh, of people, like I mentioned before, that are instead of just like cultural fits, cultural contributions, and the importance of bringing in diversity into a team and, and doing all that. And, and that's what really led me to launching Repurpose where, where we are today is n- not only just building the team that I'm working on, um, but helping other companies you know, find those culture fits, cult- find those cultural contributions and helping, you know, other people, you know, kind of aligned with their, you know, kind of passions and fit because, you know, making the most money is, is important, but it's a really short-term solution. You need to get paid something fairly, but at the end of the day, you need to work with people that you're inspired by and, and you need to work some, on something that you're passionate about. We'll be right back after this break. Hey everyone, Leanne here. I wanted to take this break to tell you the story of why Ash Media exists. When I started Ash, I knew this was a long-term commitment. The resurgence of an entire state's economy doesn't happen overnight. It takes decades of entrepreneurs trying, failing, and iterating for an effective ecosystem to develop. And it takes an entire community of support to assist these entrepreneurs with whatever challenges they inevitably face. It's a long journey that's kind of like solving a living puzzle. Fortunately, we're not starting from zero. We have cities like Ann Arbor, Detroit, and Grand Rapids leading the way for entrepreneurship in the state of Michigan. We have top-tier universities lauded for their efforts in research and innovation. We have unicorn startups like Duo Security, big corporations like Quicken Loans, and supportive government programs like the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. We're in a good place, but we can't pat ourselves on the back just yet. There's still work to be done. We have to find ways to collaborate with one another across all the ecosystems around the state. That's why we exist. Our mission is to help facilitate the comeback of Michigan's economy, and we think accelerating the build-out of our entrepreneurial community is the key. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show now. So before the break, Ryan was talking to us about what he wanted to do with Repurpose and how he wants to make sure people are working on things they're passionate about. Now, I don't know about you folks, but I really wanted to learn more about his experience with his previous company and how he navigated the early Detroit tech startup scene. As you probably know, early versions of things are never the best. Here's Ryan. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about Chalkfly specifically. Um, That was your first voray into the Detroit tech startup scene. You went through Bizdom, the accelerator, and then, you know, funded by DVP, and then ended up selling it a few years later. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I think that was a typical kind of like roller coaster entrepreneur, raises a lot of money, 
potentially we raised money too early on. We raised money within like the first, I want to say month of the business and the focus and metrics were on grow, 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 and raise more money, raise more money, raise more money. And so I think that was a good typical experience that I learned on. But again, there's a ton of things that I learned about when I'm growing a company next, about what I do want to do again, what I don't want to do again. And so I don't want to call it so typical, but it's a typical, like what you hear is like, hey, raised money, raised a lot of people and you got to, you have two outcomes. You need to sell quickly or, or you need to go out of business. And so that, that was, uh, that was fun. It was great. And I, and I worked with some incredible people there. With Chalkfly specifically, you know, what are some of the most expensive mistakes you made for that? Most expensive mistakes. So maybe it was one raising money too early before you know, what your true metrics are, what your value is, and exactly what your mission is, is because th- there's some actually interesting articles out there. Um, if you Google them, like I- I've heard and seen some research, like the more money companies raise, the more churn they have. So meaning the more customers that they end up losing opposed to bootstrapped companies. And so if you think about it, I've never really thought about this. It actually makes perfectly sense because if you have a lot of money, you can you can afford to lose customers. I, ideally, right, you don't want to lose anyone. Um, and if you're bootstrapping it like we are right now, like every customer that we gain or on the other side that we lose, like we we feel it. <laughs> and, and, and it's sometimes a really good feeling and sometimes a really shitty feeling. And, and so th- that I think I made the point earlier is like, growing too quickly, I actually think sometimes is a really expensive mistake to make. And so, um, look, at, you, you could get lucky and, and be the next Instagram, Casper, Facebook, and stuff like that. Um, but I was also, I'm always trying to be like, look in the mirror, and I don't think I'm doing that now and building one of those types of companies. And so uh, the odds aren't in my favor. And so I'm just trying to like play the odds and trying to build something maybe that's like safer. Yeah, and so talk a little bit about failure as an entrepreneur. Failure as an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I think it's just a constant process of like failure and, and, and you're learning so much. But again, it's just the way that you can pick yourself back up and get on to the next thing. And then the most important thing is like, okay, you failed, get back up, and now try not to make that mistake again. And so you, you got to be okay with that and then you have to be okay with sometimes just like taking the emotion out of it and so one thing i think to this day that's maybe that's uh, that i'm not that good at is getting really emotional about things and and that's a good and a bad thing just because you know things have happened that are so good things have happened so so bad now i just try to kind of keep it even keel um and then that's like a kind of a good and a bad thing and so just a very emotional ride and you you always got to keep on getting back up because there's uh i can tell you one thing there's no one else that's going to pick you up besides yourself what to you is the importance of mentors uh especially for young entrepreneurs especially you know with your experience yeah so I, i appreciate you even saying like my experience but i'd be the first one to tell you is that like i'm always trying to like level up and trying to find a mentor for for myself and and i do that um and i've had coaches in the past and i've paid for coaches in the past i've had people that i've had coffee dates with monthly and so I, I think it's good to have someone that's 
not in your business, not that you're related to, that can give you a really unbiased opinion. And they can be like, hey, Ryan, you're doing something great. Or more importantly, they can be like, Ryan, like, what the hell are you doing? You're really screwing something up. And so I have always found having mentors an important part of my kind of like professional life. And so I couldn't be more of an advocate to find a find a mentor that just really anywhere. And it doesn't even need to be in the same industry or same location now with technologies and Skype and FaceTime. Like you you can really find, you can find a mentor in Germany. It it really doesn't make a difference. I I actually would advise to try to find someone that's not in your network at all. And it's hard to find, but like you got to spend some adamant time on it. Yeah. And so for, you know, for a lot of young people, especially college age, 18 to 22, I find it to where, you know, it's kind of hard to look for a mentor that's not like a professor, you know, and so how should, especially for, you know, student entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, how would you suggest young people go and find the right mentors? Good question. Well, I'll actually give Repurpose a little bit of a plug right now. (laughs) As in, so right now we're matching people based up on like, hey, you're looking for a full-time job and you're looking to hire. We will, it's going to be probably in the spring of this year. Actually, purposely wasn't going to talk about it today, but why not? Um, We're actually going to be getting into the field of like uh, mentorship matching. And so um, you can come to Repurpose. It'll be this summer where we're going to have a network of, of, you know, kind of individuals that are experienced in a, in a certain field and are willing to, you know, kind of donate their time. Um, and also, like you just said, people that are looking for advice can feel free to come to us completely free service. We're just looking to help people for not only just the time that when you're trying to change your career, but maybe you're just trying to negotiate a new salary. Maybe you're trying to figure out the best question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so we, we are one resource to do that. Another resource that you could do is, look for someone, reach out to someone on Facebook, reach out to someone on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and just be like, all right, that person has some experience where I potentially could see myself in a few years. Let me try to like reach out to them and ask them to jump on a call because what you shouldn't be surprised by is people love talking about themselves. And so if you reach out to someone, even a cold email or a cold Instagram, you know, chat, and it's just like, hey, like, I really look up to you. Like, could I spend 10 minutes on the phone with you? you you'd be surprised at the response rates that, that you get, or, or, or you might, maybe you won't be responsive. But uh, my, my guess is people will be pretty responsive to you. You mentioned a little bit, you started Chalkfly with your brother. And something that I heard, especially starting out as an entrepreneur, is starting a company with either like really close friends or even family could either be really difficult or it could be like the best thing ever. So what side do you think you guys fell on? Um, so I think we had a really good experience, but I would be the first one to tell you, and I think Andrew, my brother, would say the same thing, is really challenging. We kind of just always said this to each other even before we started the business, is that we take brothers over being business partners any day of the week. And so we said that at the beginning of the business. And did that get challenged? Of course, it gets challenged all the time. And then you're at work having a difficult conversation and then you go home and you're sitting on the couch together or you're going to your grandma's birthday party. And so I think it's challenging, but again, like there's not, I'm hesitant to say don't do it or do it. I did it. I'm not doing it right now, but like it doesn't make it like right or wrong. I'll do other stuff with my brother, but it's it's a it's a challenge and I think, again, you need to know where the limits are, what 
is the definition of, hey, this is working and this is not working. And, and the biggest advice I could give, but this is uh, regarding family or friends or, or really anything, is just communication. You need to be a good communicator and be diligent. And this is one thing I think we did really well. We set up time once a week to just go on a walk and like, hey, let's talk about all the good things that are going great, but let's spend about 45 minutes out of that hour conversation. So, um, you know, three quarters of the time talking about things where we can just improve. Can we become a better communicator? Can we focus more on under-promising and over-delivering? Um, how from the finances are, are, are the company doing? And so th- things get tricky when you talk about money, but like communication, and I've never seen a relationship that like over communicates and so lean on the side of over communicating. What would you think is the difference in your and your brother Andrew's uh, working styles? Yeah, so I think that was a really nice thing about working together. I, I was more focused on kind of the sales and marketing and he was focused on more of the finance and operation. And so I think we had a really nice division there and it was pretty clear um, since day one. And so th- that's why I think it might have been a little bit easier for us, but obviously there was always challenges. But uh, yeah, I, I think you just got to figure out what you're good at, what you're passionate at. And then we kind of respected the other person and said, okay, you're going to have the final call on these and I'm going to have the final call on these and, and know um, on, on these decisions and, and kind of know where the separation of power is. And so we, we defined that from early on. And I think that was, that was important. Yeah. And so, you know, to wrap up here, what is your ultimate goal for repurpose for, you know, the next six months and then even the next five years? Yeah. So I think if you look at repurpose, let's just look at it from like a five year perspective and then then we can work backwards is, you know, we, we started in Detroit because that's what I know. We started focusing on and we still today fully focus on like technology and startup companies. I think this is my my bigger goal, but again, like I'm very focused on just staying focused on one industry and one location right now, and then and then growing and scaling. M- my thought is like, I mean, as much as I love startups and tech companies, I mean, why can't we work with like other industries and other locations? And so, I think if we look maybe maybe ten years out, because business you know t- takes time, um, and and that's by the way one lesson that I can't believe I haven't brought up yet is the idea of patience. And so I'm not that good at patience, but being patient is like super important. Everyone wants everything tomorrow. Um, and so I've, I've learned this 10 year plan that I'm telling you is it's actually going to take 10 years. And so like that takes time. And so I think where I see us going is like, how can we be the number one purpose-driven recruiting platform? So whether we're working with an ice cream company, we're working with a tech company, an agency, I actually don't care what type of company or industry it is, but how can we work with companies that have strong people, strong missions, and are really purpose-driven? And then on the flip side, how are we working with purpose-driven individuals? And so people that care more about than just how much they can be getting paid. They want to be working for a team where they feel inspiration, where they feel a purpose. And so for us, we would love to be on that path of being a purpose-driven platform. We're really matching people uh, in any business industry and and location. And from an individual standpoint, can really work on like a global level. But that's kind of what we're thinking about, but we got a long way to go. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess maybe the last question, you mentioned a lot about purpose-driven business, and I, I forget the exact you know number. What was it one percent of your profits you donate to a foundation or? Yeah. So r- right now, and I would say this was inspired by Patagonia. So Patagonia has 
um, for, for people that aren't aware, have a thing called the 1% for the planet. Patagonia donates 1% of its profits to, um, to the planet and environmental organizations and, and grassroots organizations in that type. We completely look up to uh, Patagonia and kind of took some infer- uh, inspiration for that. And so we kind of have started 1% for education. And so even though our, our profits were small last year, um, you know, it's just getting in the habit of, hey, we want to donate 1%. And it's important, not of our revenue, um, of our profit, because for us to be able to donate, we need to be able to be around for a while. Um, and so we're we're donating 1% of our, our profits to educational causes that are really helping people to gear them up for their professional career. And so that's how we kind of, you know, made the, the, the education and professional kind of recruiting. They just tie nicely together. But that's, um, that's what we're thinking about. And look at if we can make a small, tiny dent in the world, that would be cool. And so um, there's a lot to be learned from other companies, but that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. All right. So Ryan, take this next like minute or so what is it that you want to plug do you have another event coming up or just take the reins yeah so um no i i I appreciate that so i think from a a repurpose perspective i think there's two call outs one if you're an individual in the kind of the michigan area and and that means grand rapids ann arbor uh, or, or or detroit and you're looking for a new job we'd love to help you and I would also say this is a shout out to, hey, maybe you're from Michigan, but you're living in San Francisco or you're living in New York and you're thinking about moving to Detroit. Connect with us, call us, chat with us. We would love just to tell you a little bit about the landscape if you're thinking about moving here. And so uh, you, you don't need to be looking for a job. We're just happy to help kind of give you the lay of the land. So that, that's anyone for job seekers or potential kind of looking looking for jobs. Um, and then also from an employer standpoint, hey, if you're looking for like awesome individuals, we'd love to help you. Uh, again, we can help you find awesome people. Our, our pitch to you is not that we're going to find you 50 people, but we're going to find you a few really awesome people. And uh, we'd be happy to help you build your team uh, one person at a time. And so that's what we're here to do. If there's anything that we can help with, uh, again, we're, we're focused on building community and, and, and helping people. And we, we've kind of seen that helping is the new selling. And so the more people that, w- that we help um, selfishly, that helps us. And so we'd love to help you and, and it helps us. And however we can help grow this Detroit community, um, that, that's what we're here to do. So how can people reach you? Good question. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give it two ways. So one, they can just come to our website at uh, repurpose.co. And then also for, for listeners, feel free to reach out to me personally. And that's just Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at repurpose.co. Uh, and, and feel free to post this in the notes or anything. Awesome. Will do. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for your time. And thank you for coming on. Perfect. And uh, thank you for having us today. All right, everyone, that was Ryan Landau, founder and CEO of Repurpose. You heard it from him, so go ahead and check out the show notes below for the link to their website if you're interested. I also wanted to thank you, the listener, for listening to the show today. If you want to follow along and witness the Comeback States comeback, please hit subscribe on your podcast app and give us a rating. Also, check out our website at michiganmakers.co. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ashmediaco. That's A-S-H-E-M-E-D-I-A-C-O, where you can watch our videos, live streams, and join our exclusive community. Once again, thank you so much for your attention, and we'll see you next time.